Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. Any challenge tests what we're made of. And I fear for our country that we will make excuses instead of allow ourselves. In so many ways, that is the ethos of Canlust and the people who work here. I get to be a spokesperson for them. I put any of the hundred of them in this chair and you're gonna hear something similar. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with Mark Canlis, made famous by transforming his Michelin-starred restaurant into a bagel stand and burger joint, saving jobs and his restaurant. When the pandemic hit, the conventional wisdom in the industry was to shut down and hoard cash. Mark Canlis did the exact opposite, pivoting his fine dining restaurant into three casual concepts almost overnight. Today, we discuss the idea behind such a bold move, how it worked out, and what the future looks like for the Canlis family and their restaurant. Uh, we grew up where the restaurant wasn't a big deal. Um, we grew up thinking that we were kind of normal. Um, and that's just how it was presented to us. It, it, our lives were not wrapped around this place. Uh, we ate like normal human beings, macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, you know, like it wasn't, um, we weren't hanging out here all the time. And at the same time, we, we knew it wasn't normal uh, because um, mom and dad, mostly when we were little kids and later mom and dad, you know, they did work at night. Uh, they did work weekends. They worked holidays. Um, we'd sit with the staff for family meals and that kind of thing. And so, um, I don't know. It was just, uh, we also had a, a, a set of parents who shrank our company from four restaurants down to one in the name of family. Um, we had a dad who didn't go into work on Friday nights, which for us is Friday and Saturdays are the two busiest. So he could be at home and we'd all play board games and stuff like and that's not without cost, though we didn't, we weren't paying it, but the restaurant did. Uh, maybe the guests did, maybe the business did in so many ways. Um, but we thought that was normal, which clearly is maybe an exception to the rule in our industry, right? So um, dad coached our soccer teams. It's not something I've been able to pull off with my own kiddos and something I wish I could do. I don't know how he did it, but um when my grandfather passed away, there were there was a restaurant in Hawaii and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle. And he had a board member, a dear friend of his, just said, hey, man, you're not the kind of guy that can succeed in family and in marriage and in four cities. So choose one. Like, choose right. something. To and so they did. So um, my uncle took over the restaurant in Hawaii. The restaurant in Portland went away on its own. Um, and my dad sold the restaurant in San Francisco. And so it was like, we're just going to do one thing and try to do one thing really well. And he was willing to pay the price to be home, which, you know, it's a big deal. You don't get those days back. You don't get to have those conversations with the two-year-old because next year she's three. And those moments are gone. You know what I mean? And so I, uh, that was a value to ours growing up. We were like, cool. We love the restaurant business. <laughs> Because our parents are home, um, which obviously is so unique and such a 
a privileged perspective on so many levels, but particularly into owning a restaurant. So, um, and also might have been the thing that steered this place in the right direction, right? Uh, we grew up loving our parents. There's a concept. Uh, our parents' marriage survived when so many of our friends didn't. Um, and that's an advantage in so many ways. Um, I grew up with a mom and dad who loved one another and, and it was not easy, right? And so, you know, um, so you could say, yeah, they, they took that away from the business. We didn't, we didn't grow in the same way as other businesses. We didn't expand. We didn't open another restaurant. We didn't increase our, our domain here in, in, in Seattle. Um, I'm really close to my brothers. What's that worth? Because right now one of them works maybe 20 hours a day and saved this company when I tried to take it over 15 years ago, right? Like, so what's that worth? I don't know you're investing in the family. When it's a family business, you can invest in the business and you can invest in the family. And those are not disintegrated from one another. It's a, as you know, it's a, it's a game of figuring out how much to invest over here and how much to invest over here. So yeah, maybe a, maybe a unique upbringing in that sense. Um, so we grew up loving one another and in a really tight family and, and really close um, with our parents and with, with my, I have two brothers. Um, and like, here we are so many years later. No one thought we, we didn't think we would do this, but it just kind of, you know, played out that way. So I came back in 2003. My brother Brian came back in 2005. We were both in the military for a time. And it was just sort of like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Mom and dad need help. Oh, let me go help. Uh, it was a disaster. Dad was like, you should get your brother. He'll totally help. I was like, nah. I don't <laughs> and we were on like a road trip one day. And dad was like, hey, Brian, so uh, Mark's thinking about bringing you into the company. You know, would you be willing to do that? What, would, what do you think about that? I'm like, <laughs> my older brother's in the car. He's like, that's a great idea, dad. I'm like, wait, whoa, I I'm fine. You guys are fine. But the truth of the matter is I needed him uh, desperately. And so when he came back, 2005, everything just started clicking in, in a whole new way and we had so much fun and we were just like so much better together and I just needed I needed that I needed someone to balance out so I'm like crazy and so it's been yeah it's been a wild ride how long have you been back in the business uh, uh what is that 17 years right on. and before that I worked for Danny Danny Meyer in New York for a little bit um so doing restaurants now for almost 20 years but um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been so cool. And we've been able to kind of incorporate other members of the family into it. Our older brother is not involved operationally, but he's on our board of directors. Um, he's a minister like over in across the mountains there in Wenatchee. And so we made him, um, I think his business card says, um, uh, chaplain and whiskey consultant. It was like, you gotta have some role here. Like you gotta earn your keep. So he collected all these incredible things. He used to live in Scotland. Um, but, you know, any way we can kind of stay close as a family, I think that's really central to um, what Canlis, the restaurant, has been able to do. It, it is It remains sort of the core of who we are. So. Well, well, and now to bring it forward to today, I, I want to give you a quote that you said that really, really impacted me. You said, here's what everyone forgets about fine dining. Fine dining is the most considered form of caring about people with food. That is all it is. Um, that really struck me um, because it, it, it speaks to the logical transition that you made when the pandemic yeah. hit. 
Um, I can't imagine that, that fear wasn't an element there. Uh, the conventional wisdom, as soon as it hit, as cutthroat restaurateurs go, is hoard your cash, cut your overhead, and if you're fine dining, hibernate. Right. You turn to your family, and you were like, let's jump into three different tiers of dining and see how it goes. And you did it beautifully. Can you talk to me about the thought process behind it? I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it looks beautiful from where you're sitting. From where I'm sitting, it looks like a complete train wreck that has somehow stayed on the track. Um, yes, and the hardest thing we've ever done. Um, it's also been the most rewarding, I think, in so many ways. And, um, and we've been so fortunate. To, to be sitting where I'm sitting right now, it's just, um, I just, I can't have enough words of uh, gratitude and thankfulness for this team that pulled it off, for this city that supported us for, I mean, yeah, don't get me started. Considering the civic unrest, that's right down the street. Like we're coming from a place of privilege, right? And so um, I guess it starts with the mission of our company, which is pretty weird maybe for a restaurant, but um, to us, when we think of fine dining and we think of what we're doing with our business, it has nothing to do with food. It has nothing to do with service or those things that we kind of get wrapped around the axle with in the restaurant industry. Um, the mission of Canlis is to inspire all people to turn toward one another. Um, I hope one day that that's what somebody says about this place. Like, at my funeral or something. And um, I hope that's the impact that we can make in the world. I don't actually, it's not that, let's see, I care about food. Um, and I think serving people through food is beautiful and essential in so many ways. Um, it's not the most important thing to me. And I think if we have a platform, if we have a voice, we get a chance to do something here. I want to remind one another that it's the turning towards um, that we were designed for, like the relationship that we were designed for. And so anyway, when you get into a pandemic, suddenly this thing sweeps across the globe and we're got in on our doorstep in Seattle. And it was like, all right, well, great. Everyone is like physically turning away from, and we're talking more of like a relational thing, but here we were, it, social distancing is a brand new word. Six feet is a concept that you know, people are just starting to wrestle with and, and like understand. And we were like, okay, how do, how do we, how do we do this? And if we just shut this thing down, A, all of my staff don't have jobs. B, that's not what we were given this restaurant for. Like that's not the best use of, of this platform maybe. And so let's just brainstorm ways that we can keep our staff employed. Let's just brainstorm ways that we can serve a city that's in need right now. And we didn't know the need. Like we didn't know that it was like, you're playing a, game and the referee suddenly has like an entirely different set of rules than in the second half and the first half and that was march for us that was like deer in the headlights felt really sucker punched and we have no idea what to do and so we sat down as a team and just said okay does anyone know the rules to the game we're playing because they seem to be completely different and we just started listing them six feet seems to be a thing uh fine dining is like not a thing like it's not what anyone needs right now um but people have to eat so that's the thing like we just started listing these things and one of the we're listing our strengths like hey, okay we have 115 employees who are in like these guys want in and, and we said that to them like this is voluntary does anyone want to do this and they were all like we're in it's like okay that's a strength uh we're on a freeway 
as a fine dining restaurant, that's a weakness. As a drive-through, that's a strength. So we're like, all right, well, what if, what if we do a drive-through? Because suddenly this busy road behind us that we've always just kind of turned our backs on, maybe we should just invite them in. And so um, we just started playing that game and kind of going to the exercise of what can we be thankful for? Uh, what assets do we have that will work in this in this time of new rules? And, and can we just make shit up for people to do? And that's what happened. So it was like, boom, we can do, we came up with a breakfast thing, bagels, the bread, uh, the bagel shed, where we were baking bagels and doing breakfast sandwiches. And, uh, came How did that lunch go? Thing. Um, awesome. I, I mean, we sold out in an hour every day. The line to get a bagel was hour long it was silly uh we couldn't keep up for that demand at all um turns out we're a really inefficient bagel restaurant we actually kind of <laughs> suck at it so. <laughs> we didn't make any money so when you say how did it go um when you have people standing in line six feet apart in the morning in march um and they feel encouraged and they feel like okay we do have we got this like we can do this like Life goes on. Um, if if the restaurant can be an encouragement to someone, it's it's going really well, and that was. And then at 11 a.m., we'd have a line five blocks long, ready for the lunch thing we were doing, which is burgers. And that was crazy. Uh, that was so. It was the busiest thing we've ever done. Uh, we were doing. You guys were doing like a thousand covers a day, right? Oh, we were doing a thousand covers in three hours. Yeah, it was, and we're not set up for that at all. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and then the dinner thing was delivery. And we opened those Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that week when it kind of hit. And that was, uh, like, looking back on it, that might have been dumb. But <laughs> So we lost a ton of money doing that. Um, I also, we also didn't lose any of our employees. And, I, and, I, and so I think I go back to that mission statement. It becomes really important. I remember taking over the company from mom and dad and having this conversation as a family. It's like, you realize that if we adopt this formally as our mission statement, we might lose money. And then we're going to come to you as your children and we're going to say, we accomplished mission, but we didn't make any money. Is that okay? And this is the time before Brian and I owned the company. And so we're running it for mom and dad. And I just needed, I needed you guys, like, I was like, I need you guys to say that's okay. If I can prove that we have, have inspired people to turn toward one another in this city, but I lost, is that okay? And it took a while for them to get there. And I, like, cause from a business perspective, you think that's suicide. But what we realized working through this as a family was that's not suicide. That's actually the, the strategy that has been the saving grace of this company for years and where you can move profit to not being the defining rule of business, but, but one of the rules of business, that's to say it's not the point of business, but it's one of the rules that provides parameters and structure and scaffolding to your business. Don't go too far over here in soccer. If you kick the ball out of bounds, it, you know, don't go too far over here. If you kick the ball out of bounds, right? It's just one of those guidelines that tells us where to play, but it doesn't tell you how to play or what to do or how to win. So. That's what we did. In March, we lost a ton of cash. At the same time, we're paying everyone back. We're canceling every reservation. We shut our restaurant down. We canceled three months of reservations. We canceled a thousand people's dinners. And we're giving back all their deposits because we just talk and take all those. So um, that was a scary time. And yet, 
it was the most exciting thing I think we've ever done, which was like, screw it. This whole city is in it and pretty sure that sure soon the whole country is going to be in it and we don't have a choice. And, um, and this was the right decision. And I wish you could feel the energy behind the staff of just sort of supporting us and saying, we will move heaven and earth to make this thing happen. And, and they did. So anyway, here we are 13 weeks later, or whatever it is. And, um, somehow like by the grace of God, we are still in business. <laughs> like, oh, so, um, yeah, it was scary. And yet, um, I, I wouldn't do it any differently. It's been awesome. Well, um, were you surprised by the national attention? Uh, like Esquire magazine wrote about you. And like when you, when you operate a restaurant, you live in a bubble, right? Like you work hard, you go to work every day. You don't really know if anyone gives a shit. You're just you having your dream books. of Esquire writing about you. Right. right. We used to freak out if we had like a national publication call us. We'd like, literally we had these things like, okay, if anyone calls, wake me up out of bed. Like right? we had like this whole <laughs> protocol for, and I, yeah, we've never seen um, this much attention from people who didn't even know we existed yesterday. And um, that's awesome on the one hand. I also, um, it's been amazing. It, it, it saved us in so many ways. And on the other hand, look, we're one story in a sea of a thousand stories where um, so many people have done what we've done, which is to sort of courageously say, I'm going to stay in the fight and I'm going to figure this out. And it might not work or it might not, it might be ugly or it might be imperfect, but I'm going to try. And I think, I mean, to take it all the way to today, that's what we're seeing in the streets of our city and cities around the world, which is saying, maybe we don't know how to do this, but we're going to try. We're going to try to take on one of the hardest things we can in this country, which is racial inequity and the injustice that we just as a country have never been able to figure out for 400 years, right? And it's not perfect. It isn't. No one has an answer here, but man, it inspires us to see people saying, let's try. I know we failed in the past. Let's try. I know this is hard. Let's try. I know that, but, but I'm going to show up. And, and to me, showing up is like 90% of the battle. Like, and so I feel like, um, I feel like because Seattle got Corona first, I feel like because we were one of the first restaurants to kind of come out and say, we're going to shut down and, and, and make this switch. There's a lot of attention um, on us and we're so appreciative for that. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it, we were not, we were not ready for it. It was a flood of, um, I mean, we were opening three restaurants in three days and at the same time you have movie, you have TV cameras and you have like, I would ask you questions like, how do you operate in a pandemic? We're like, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We well, guys are the experts on this. Like we're 24 hours ahead of everyone else. That's it. Like we don't know what we're doing, and I, and I would want people to hear that we we do not know what we're doing. We did not know what we're doing, and that's not a story of a pandemic. That's the story of Camelot's Restaurant 70 years being a fine dining establishment. Um, I don't think you ever know what you're doing. I think there's always this posture of man. Um, I'm going to show up and, and put everything I, I have into this today. And then tomorrow we got to have the, the balls to look back and say, that wasn't good enough. Or maybe we can change. Or what if we tweak this or you guys, is there any way that, is there any way we could, we could do it differently and better. And it just kind of all came to a head 
March 15th when suddenly the world is, the world had already had it, but suddenly America, the United States is looking at this saying, whoa, it's here and we're about to get crushed by this thing. So. Did you enjoy the pivot at all? You know, I always joke, I say that, you know, I'm never ready to open my next restaurant until I forget how terrible it was <laughs> to open the last one. Right. Was it kids. fun? Was, exactly. Was it fun? Um, was it exciting? Were there elements of that? I th- yeah, or was it just I th- a function of profitability? Um, no, it was, um, it felt like, so I was in the military during 9-11 and it was a time when, you know, we're all just sort of like wide-eyed and like, whoa, what do you, but in the military, we're like, we know exactly what to do. Like we have a checklist for this kind of a thing. And it, and it felt good just to have a mission, that sort of efficacy, that sort of like, hey, we're not helpless here. There's something we can do. And it felt like that. It was like, wait a second, I'm not helpless. I, I, can, I can provide jobs for my staff. I just got to be creative. And what was fun about it was letting the team run with it. It was like putting a Ferrari on a racetrack when all it's been doing for its entire life was driving in traffic. It was like, you guys, there are no rules right now. Like everything is on the table, go. And to see them, you know, normally they're constrained because it's one restaurant and it's fine dining and everyone thinks it's gotta be like, but it was like, there's nothing I won't consider. Um, What do you think? And to see them pull that off, it felt like, um, I don't know, it felt like uh, letting their creativity and their energy and their work ethic and their all of it out of the bag and letting the world kind of see what they were capable of. And again, this isn't me doing this. Um, it's not Brian. It's a whole team that pulled that thing off. And so that was fun. It was fun to see what they're, I don't know. Is it fun to pull out of traffic and get in your own lane and put the pedal down on some sports car and go 100 miles an hour? I don't have a sports car. I have a pickup truck. But in my head, <laughs> that's a good time. Like, that's fun. And so, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was encouraging. It was uplifting. It, it was – and I think anytime you can serve someone else, you know, we all know this to be true. Like, we're the ones that are being filled up. And I think it was a time when we needed to be filled up, and we, and we got that. We got that by, yeah, by serving others. So, and now look into the future, right? The world's beginning to reopen. Dining is becoming a thing again. Um, we could wax philosophical on the future of the restaurant industry, but I'd rather talk about the future of Canlis, right? What what does what does it look like over the course of the next three months, six months, yeah. twelve months? Yeah, I feel like my crystal ball has been broken lately, talking yeah. about the future. Um, but I think um, I think this is a good reminder for any of us that run businesses that it's one day at a time, um, that the future is less important than the present. And um, to allow ourselves to be constrained by not being able to go there, as businesses, as any CEOs, we're so tempted to sort of be like, I oh, mean, I got to have the answers. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you do need to have the answers right now. And that's a, I'm not a publicly traded company and I'm little, so I get that, that is a, a, a narrow perspective. But from where I'm sitting, I think it's way more important to be present with our staff and with our city. I think it's way more important to be present with my kids 
talking about racial inequity, white privilege, Canlis privilege, um, talking about the, the, the issues wrestling with. That's what we're doing as a company. We're wrestling with. We don't, we don't know. We don't have the answers. And so I want to be sitting in the uncomfortableness of, uh, of a health crisis, the uncomfortableness of um, the civic unrest that I think is needed. Um, I'm not talking about what people are, I'm not talking about rioting, I'm talking about protesting. I'm not talking about destruction, I'm talking about change that is desperately needed in this country. So as business owners, that's where I want to be. I want to be in the present. I want to be in today. And yeah, we are planning, I was supposed to be opening a drive-in movie theater this week. Um, doesn't feel appropriate with um, the civil unrest happening down the road. Um, but that's another creative way that we can serve the city. We're going to use our parking lot to do something that's sort of classically summer and fun, which is open movie theater. Um, when we reopen, it probably won't be as a fine dining restaurant. I don't think fine dining is still what people need and it doesn't work as a business model. So why use it? Why not just save that for a little bit down the road? Maybe that's late summer. Maybe that's fall. Um, I don't know. I think in hospitality, we have this charge. I, I think the country needs us. And when, when people say we're an essential business, um, it's essential that people eat. I think what is, uh, and you could do that in so many ways. I think what's essential about the hospitality industry is to go back to what we know to be true about our roots in this industry, which is if you go back two or 3,000 years, the beginning of hospitality, there were people in need, right? Some guy walking down a road on his donkey or however you traveled back then, and he gets to the end of his rope. He gets to the end of the day, or he gets to a place where it's too dark or unsafe, or he's out of food and water, and there's a knock on the door. This is where all restaurants, this is like we stand in the shoulders of this tradition. And you're knocking on maybe you maybe you know, maybe I'm knocking, you're knocking on my door. And I, and I wasn't, it's not like you text me and said like, Hey Mark, I'm on the way, man. Right. And it's not like you're from my town and it's not like you're from my country. You're not of my people. You're not of my tribe. You likely aren't like me. Right. And I'm in a place of power and authority and safety. And you're in a place of vulnerability. Hospitality gets its roots from me opening my do door and making space for you, the stranger, someone who is tired and needy and sweaty and smelly and hungry and doesn't look like me, might be of a different race, religion, creed, ethnicity, right? And it's an exchange of power. So if we go back to what hospitality means, it's me saying, I exchange my place of privilege, safety, and power because my heart breaks for you, a person in need. And, and I will make space for that. That is what hospitality is about. Hospitality is not hanging out with your buddies, drinking rosé or beer. It's the making space for the other. So, man, if there was ever an essential business right now, it's the hospitality business. It's the business of people whose um, hearts and minds and businesses are, are wrapped around this essential truth that if we don't make space for the person who is different than us, we are hypocrites to be running restaurants. 
we are hypocrites to be saying we are the hospitality industry. So the future, uh, I'm going to be doing that in my own heart. I'm going to be doing that in my own family. I'm going to be doing that with my staff and saying, what does that look like today? If it looked like this 3,000 years ago, what does it look like today? And then how do we take this building, our kitchen, our talent, our resources, how do we take everything we have and turn them towards those who are needy? Like, that's the hospitality business. I have no idea how I'm going to make money doing that. But again, um, maybe that's not the question to be asking right now. Maybe the question to be asking is, um, what hits me in my heart right now? Who do I want to become as a business leader? Who do I want to become as a friend, as a husband, as a dad, as a guy standing at that door with the ability to turn toward the stranger and say, come in. It's safe here. You are welcome here. I will make room for you. Sit at my table. No, we weren't expecting you. So that means you're taking food from my children. That's okay. Be in my house. Rest here safely. I don't know who you are. And maybe we believe different things. But I know in my heart there's something that reaches out to you because I'm a human and you're a human. And we all know up here and in here, we are connected. That's what the hospitality business has always been about. So now, with racism, um, just sort of like on in front of everyone and, and and like so real in ways that it needs to be. And with Corona, that has not gone away in any way. That's our call as restaurant owners and as those in this business. So I, I don't know. I don't want to get off my soapbox. But like when, when we talk about the future, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to. I might be a lemonade stand on Highway 99 next month. Okay, maybe that's the right thing to do. And I hope we have the guts to do it. I hope we have the guts to follow our heart right now. I hope we have the guts to say out loud, I don't know. I'm wrestling with it, trying to figure it out. So that's where we're at. It's uncertain. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it needs to be. And is that a realization? Is that an aha moment? Is that something that came out of the quarantine in, in, in the pandemic? Or, or is that is that a way you felt centrally? And and if it's not, have there been any aha moments through this process? I think it's. Um, I think any challenge tests what we're made of. And I fear for our country that we will make excuses instead of allow ourselves to be tested. So, in so many ways, that is the the ethos of Canlust and the people who work here. I get to be a spokesperson for them, but I put any of the hundred of them in this chair and you're gonna hear something similar. Um, the aha moment is that what we were doing before is not enough. That's, I think that's the thing that hits, that hits me most squarely, which was like, we thought we were doing the right thing. The fact of the matter is, we were doing good, but maybe not good enough. And so, and so the question is, how do we change? Um, and um, I don't know. I'm just going to sit with that a little bit. I, I mean, we talk about like, yeah, one of the things we've been doing is a bingo show. I don't know if you've seen it, but like our expediter who runs all of delivery used to play bingo with the staff after work. Okay. 
And as we like to drink a beer, play a little bingo, whatever. It's, it's a throwback. To, okay. Anyway, so she's like, why don't we just put bingo cards in every dinner that we're delivering? Like maybe what the city needs is just to play a game and laugh a little. And this was before all the civic unrest. But so we were like, sure, we'll just live stream. I don't know, I'll just stand there. We'll pull bingo balls out of a salad bowl and we'll play. Okay, so a few thousand people have been playing bingo uh, every Friday night. And suddenly we find ourselves in a position of hosting a variety show, the bingo show, which is I would never have told you, I don't know, eight weeks ago, you know what the future, my future looks like? It's hosting a bingo variety show on a live stream for a bunch of kids. And um, and I, I feel foolish doing it every time. And it's terrifying because I'd rather stand in a suit at the front door of a fancy restaurant and, and look and, and look good or, or be perceived, like be able to control the way that people perceive me. But I think maybe what I need to do is stand up there in the awkwardness and the hardness of the moment and not control that. That's what I need is to be a little bit out of control and a little bit vulnerable in that way. And isn't that what hospitality was about anyway? It was vulnerability letting you into my home and into my heart. And so I, that's the aha moment, which is like, which isn't like canless needs such and such, but what do I need? How do I need to change? And uh, And I think I need to be, I think I need to be a little more vulnerable, a little more raw, a little less polished, a little less put together. It's easy to stand at the front door of a fancy restaurant and have everyone ooh and ah over chef's incredible food and a bottle of wine and that view. But it's hard to be seen for who we actually are. And I, and I, and I, I don't know, I desperately want to be like, I desperately want to be someone that people respect. And I got to figure that out in here before I can expect anyone to do that. And so... That's what that bingo thing is about. Somehow it's about us letting our restaurant be seen for who we are. I think that's the aha moment. It's like, yeah, it's a time for that. Does that make sense? I don't know if that. It does. It does. It totally resonates with me. I stand in a fancy suit outside of my restaurant and I feel really good about the way I'm perceived. Right. Um, And and I I like, cool. Yeah, I got this put together. Absolutely. Right. I was in the story. Right. Exactly. So I feel like that's where we're at as an industry and as a country, as a people. Um, If you're white, that's where we're we're at. Uh, I don't even know if white is a race. I don't think it is. But like, like, I think we got to look in the mirror and say, this is where I'm at right now. And what does that mean? And yeah. I haven't figured it out, but I'm okay. Yeah, wrestling with it. You know what I mean? I do. So it's a weird time to be a restaurant. It's a weird time to be delivering when the streets are shut down and you're like, what are we doing? We're delivering dinner at 2 p.m. We're hosting a bingo show. I'm like, wow. (laughs) And also, I'm okay with that. It's okay. So, yeah. I, I, I hope this is a time when we as a people get tested for like your values, not your values, unless they cost you something. Right. And there was so much about a pre pandemic time that might've felt normal to us, but it wasn't neutral. Right. It, it wasn't perfect. And as many as times as I've heard, wow, I would just like to go back to normal. I don't know if I want to go back to normal. Normal seemed pretty broken. If we look back at it, if we take off like the lens 
of the way we see the world and see it through other people's eyes. That was messed up. <laughs> the beginning of 2020. And this might be broken now, and it is. There's a lot that isn't right with right now, but I find a lot of hope in putting it back together in beautiful ways. And so that's what I'm focusing on. The future is going to be better than it was before this thing. We just got to figure that out. And I believe in this company and in this city and in this nation. We can do it. I don't have the answers, but that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, there's incredible things happening right now all across the country. You don't hear about it. There's incredible things happening in the protests. You don't hear about it always. There's bad things happening also. We kind of tend to focus on the bad. We, and we're foolish to let that, to throw the baby out with the bathwater in that way. We're foolish to pretend that um, the little things are the things that divide us. I, I believe that, I don't know. I believe that when all of us are standing in the door and someone knocks, I believe our heart leaps out for those folks. And I don't know. I just want to make sure that mine responds properly. So it's an industry podcast. It's an industry podcast. Yeah. And like it, like it. Yeah. And, and like it or not, you're an industry thought leader. And at the end of every show, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the industry, you know? Mm -hmm. And so is there anything you would like to say directly to people listening? Uh, this has been hard. It's been easier for me because my restaurant has been able to stay open somehow. Uh, it's been easier for me because I'm white. It's been easier for me because I was born into an incredible restaurant legacy. It's been easier for me for so many reasons. I don't want to apologize for that, but I want to recognize that um, this has been hard. And also, there is good inside of this. And we as an industry are the scrappiest, most resourceful, most big hardest, most, uh, if there's any industry that can pull this off and be in the right place and put it back together again, it's mine. It's the hospitality industry. It's the folks that run restaurants. We were conditioned for this. And no one, I don't want to say no one works as hard as we do, but but speaking to our people in this thing, we know what this is like. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see them shine again. And that time is coming. And I think there's an opportunity here. You don't have to have the answers. You put one foot in front of the other. You take one day at a time. You say, hey, this is what I had to be thankful for. And that's how we lead. Maybe in the absence of the kind of leadership that we want to see or Everyone's got different opinions on that. We lead by starting with ourselves. And I just, I just, I think of my own crew. I think of the restaurant industry workers in this city. I think of like so many remarkable human beings. Let them loose. Let them put the gas pedal down. Let them go. And, and we'll take, I'll follow that. I'll follow the people whose hearts are in the right place. And I'm just taking it one day at a time. So yeah, I'm proud of how we've done this together as, as an as a industry, as a group of um, people who have not had it, um, have not always had it easy. And I think um, I see a lot of hope coming. That's that's the future, and we're gonna we're gonna build that. That's Mark Canless, owner operator of the Canless Restaurant in Seattle. For more information on the restaurant and the family behind it, go to canless.com.
If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.